Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. What do you say to, to Americans everywhere who are concerned about a potential recession this year? Well, so far, we're, the, the economy is looking very good um, in terms of us addressing the concern that people rightly have about the cost of food, the cost of gas, and we've been able to address that in, in a variety of ways. Ah, yes, the old variety of ways gambit. Good job, Vice President Harris. I'm sure that's going to keep you on the ticket. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com. I've been staring at these uh, these, these numbers, right? The, the, the jobs numbers are, are, are out and uh, jobs are, are, are up. And it was more than expectations. And you're like, that's that's great. that That's good. But it's it's not just that simple. It isn't just that simple. This was uh, Jackie Heinrich over there on Fox News Channel. Morning, Aisha. We have not heard yet from the president in reaction to all of this. We expect to see him a few hours from now at 1145, and he should address this. Um, but the economy adding uh, 253,000 jobs, way, way higher than expected. Also, the unemployment rate ticking down to 3.4%, lowest in 50 years. These are not good indicators um, for slowing the economy down. What the Fed has been trying to achieve has not happened yet, which means that those rate hikes are possibly going to continue. And that's really a pivot from what we heard from the Fed yesterday, where they indicated that they were likely to consider pausing those rate hikes. What did we say? What did we say? We we said it here. Jerome Powell can signal that there's an end to rate hikes from now until the cows come home. That doesn't make it true. And the market can react positively to that all they want It also doesn't make it true. Now, I checked in with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. He wasn't available for for the show today, and and, and it happens. And one of the things that was up was um, labor force participation. People not in the labor force was up, and that could make unemployment go down. Because if the people are no longer looking for work, they fall off the system, if you will. As if they got a job, even if they said, all right, I can't find anything. Or they went into some level of gig and doesn't get counted or whatever the case may be. So the unemployment number going down, don't get me wrong. I don't care if it's Biden or not. I want people to have jobs. It isn't always the proper indicator. It isn't always the proper indicator. What is interesting, as Dr. Will points out, from a report on May 4th at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, productivity decreases. Productivity decreases 2.7% in the first quarter of 2023. Unit labor costs increase 6.3%. Productivity is down and it costs more to make the less productivity. Sorry, that's not a good number. That is not where we want to be. So I stand in in the place of, man, 
this this is not good. This economy is not worthwhile. This economy is as bad as you think. Something else that I saw, and and I and I admit to you that I am vexed on this. And if, if you've got thoughts, I will I will take them. You can email me, Tony at TonyCats.com. Used vehicle prices fell last month. It's the first time they've fallen in 2023. Follow. I I hope I get this right. You will correct me if I don't. I think I've got it right. If we take a look at the dearth, the lack of new cars because of the chip issue. Well, there were less new cars. People needed a car. Next thing you know, the used car market was super hot and the prices went up because everybody needed a car and they were putting such a premium on the new cars that the used cars were a, a deal by comparison even though the price was going up. Then... What happened was, was you increased interest rates. You made it harder to buy absolutely everything. But then something else happened. The total lack of new cars eventually means a diminished amount of what? Used cars. Because the new car, over time, becomes the used car. And when there are no new cars to purchase because of chip issues and other things... People keep the car that they have as opposed to trading up to the new car. So nothing comes into the used car market. So eventually the used car market becomes a place where there aren't as many used cars. And one would think that that sends the price up. Supply and demand. But this is a story about prices going down. And I have argued with friends about this, about which way this is going to go. And we are now seeing prices go down. And the question is, whoa, 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 whoa. If supply and demand is legit, and of course it is, how are the prices going down? Well, it could only mean one thing. It could only mean one thing in that used car market. There's no demand. The only way you can rationally explain it is if you say there is no demand or a lessened Demand. Cox Automotive reports a 3% decline from March to April in what they call the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index. Levels remain elevated compared to historical figures. The index, which tracks vehicles sold at wholesale auctions, is up 5.2% from December, but down 4.4% year over year. We've had experience, they write, uh, eight straight months of year-over-year declines, averaging 8.3%, and it's not, and it's likely not over yet. And sure enough, you've got them discussing how the new car market being scarce has led to uh, levels of um, the lack of, of used cars because, well, no one's been buying news cars and cycling uh, cycling through. And now you add the higher interest rates and people are like, you know what? I can't even afford the used car. All right, let's go fix this. What I would love is to hear from some mechanics and get an idea of how much has their business increased. Because the person who normally would have tossed their car in favor of a new used car and the person who would have gotten rid of their car in order to buy a new car 
they're maybe all in the in different levels in the same boat of can't afford this interest rates too much, not going to pay cash for this. This is crazy town. And so people are now getting their cars fixed even further, even though they'd rather just just dump the vehicle. The average listed price of a used vehicle in February, that's the most recent data available, $26,000, $26,086. That's down from January. Um, and that prices have been falling, but tight supply might be providing some price support. Used prices may fall further, but it seems unlikely a massive decline will happen given the supply situation. So they're saying, well, Tony, it is a supply and demand conversation, but the supply is there. They're saying the supply is there, which could only mean that there's a bit of demand that's waning. I'm not not trying to rewrite any level of economics. I'm just, just stating a fact. Yeah, these numbers, they're going to get manipulated every which way. Everybody's going to have themselves a nice little take on the numbers. Don't worry. Uh, Joe Biden's going to have himself a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, take on the numbers. The people over there at Fox Business. I went through and looked at the revisions. They are stunning. And he said it. I want to say it again here. There's 149,000 jobs that disappeared between February and March. Those revisions, and Charles is right, that's why the market is jumping. It's not on this print. It's on the revisions for February and March. We went from 326 to 248K in February, 236 down to 165 in March. So... So there weren't as many jobs? So there weren't as many jobs in the last couple months as we thought? And therefore the market is reacting in a positive way because it means maybe the market is actually or the economy is slowing down, which is exactly what they want? Dude, start drinking heavily. Oh, and maybe get yourself a... Uh, a used car. The Meekum auction is coming to town. Oh, have you ever been to the Meekum auction? Have you ever been? So uh, this is where like the insane cars are, like the massive collections. You know, four point two million or something like that. I don't look at any of that kind of stuff. Please, I, I'm 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 in radio. Um, so it is coming to town. I will be there. I will be there that uh, that opening weekend. I'm I'm a bitter. I'm not. I'm being clear. But I have in front of me the Cadillacs they have for sale. And um, I mean, I have I have a Cadillac, right? Uh, I, I, I have a coupe. And, and I like Cadillac. I like the brand. But I totally dig the old school stuff. They have a 1970 black Cadillac DeVille convertible. Um... It, the 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 sexy of this thing the oh my like i need time alone that's how absolutely sexy this thing is yes 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 damn and i'm like i don't know what this is going to go for i have now it's a convertible i don't actually want a convertible but when you see it as a convertible you're like dear lord i would drive that as a convertible in winter it's so good. And then they've got this this green 1970 Eldorado, which is a hard top. And you're like, that's just, 
That is just so too cool for school. But the 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 car, when it comes to Cadillacs, when it comes to Cadillacs, uh, the 1976 Eldorado convertible. It's oh, how how do I not? How do I not? Everybody and their mother knows I should be driving this, and this is like yellow, like like the like the cream. Wait, is it banana? Like, what is the actual color? Hold on, what's the color they use? Phoenician ivory. Phoenician ivory with an ivory interior. It's a 500 cubic inch V8. Son of a... It's so... Holy cow. Dear Lord, you want to talk about making a statement everywhere you go? This is it. This is it. This is these, nothing comes close. I don't care what Audi, Porsche, McLaren, you freaking drive. I show up in this, I win. I have to get the horns in the front, I agree. I totally have to get the horns in the front. It goes without question. It's so good. But I don't know what they're going to go for. There was one that I saw that was, it was red. It was like, and that's like the classic, right? It it was a red one, and I think they said that it was. Here it is, a '76 Eldorado uh, convertible, no reserve, and they estimate uh, how many miles it have, does it have on it? I I, I don't even know. Uh, they estimate that it's going to go for like between twenty and twenty-five thousand dollars, and you're like, okay, red, white interior, white convertible top, super cool. Until you see the Phoenician Ivory one, and then you're like, "This is a child's toy. I'd rather, I'd rather be spit on than drive that car." That's how good they are. That's how good they are. And this happens to me. This happens to me every single year around this time. I get like, like, uh, like, like a dog goes into heat. I totally do. I lose my mind for these cars. I'm like, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to. And I never do it. I am so freaking Lucy in the football with the damn thing. Uh, and, and I should be mocked. I should be mocked for the fact that I haven't done it yet. I've been talking about this on air. So I've been on air um, professionally, if you will, in Indianapolis for nine years. I've been doing this for nine years, torturing myself. We're to the stage where I should just punch myself in the face repeatedly. Just buy something already, cats. Put everybody out of their misery because you keep talking about it. No one's interested. Figure it out. Stop, stop complaining and just buy the thing or shut it. And the answer is I can't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, need, I, need, the, I need the torture, I guess. I, I, I guess that's it. My safe word is DeVille. I need it. I got to figure this out. This is Tony Katz today. Fox News has sent a cease and desist to Media Matters because Media Matters is leaking videos of Tucker Carlson where Tucker Carlson was on set and uh, I, I guess you could argue uh, talking smack about uh, the network or, or other people. And they're trying to put an end to that stuff getting out there. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I mean, 
this is one of those videos. Well, that was a week, I'll say. <laughs> Holy <laughs> 10 hours. That slimy little mother sitting across from me. Oh, you're the best. And I wasn't talking about you. It's just the opposite. You seem to be a complex. No, I'm not. What do you mean? Because you've never been this affirmed in your life? <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Have a happy weekend. See you, man. Um, the amount, uh, it was so unhealthy, the hate. Thank you, Teresa. The hate that I felt for that. I mean, thank you, Todd. I, I, how can you not? I, well, I never feel that way, you know, because I don't put myself, I don't want to feel that way. I think it's wrong. It's bad. It's totally bad for you to feel that way. He was talking about a lawyer from Dominion. That's how the story goes in, in that video. And there have been some other ones dropped, and I've listened, and I'm like, um, all right, maybe it's a little embarrassing for Fox News, especially, you know, as he talked about Fox Nation, and you can't find it. You put my stuff on there, and it gets hidden. I'd rather dump it on YouTube so people can see it. You can't see anything on Fox Nation. Why Why do I have to put up with this? Um, honestly, I don't, I don't think any of these are that bad at all. But if you're Fox, I totally get it. I absolutely get um, that they should be bothered by this. And they wrote a letter... Uh, to a lawyer there for them, uh, or actually the, the president and CEO, Angelo, Angelo Caruso. Dear Mr. Caruso, we write on behalf of Fox Corporation to clarify any misunderstandings Media Matters may have had regarding previously unaired footage that Media Matters has published in a series of articles headlined Fox Leaks. That unaired footage is Fox's confidential intellectual property. Fox did not consent to its distribution or publication, and Fox does not consent to its further distribution or publication. This proprietary material was given to you without Fox's authorization. Fox demands that Media Matters cease and desist from distribution, publication, and misuse of Fox's misappropriated proprietary footage, which you are now on notice was unlawfully obtained. We reserve all rights and remedies. I must admit to you that I don't know if if Media Matters, which is a scumbag organization filled with scumbag people, has to actually cease and desist, or, or will they, etc. Uh, media Matters was built as a way of being a media watchdog, and then what they became is destroy Fox at all costs. Like, that's their whole purpose. That is their everything. That is their raison d'etre. They've, they have lied about me. They have tried to misrepresent me. These are the people who claim that I, I made fun of Joe Biden's stutter. These are the scumbaggiest people on the planet. I'm saying from a legal aspect, I don't know if they have to listen to this if they were given the, the information, although you could argue that even what I just shared is the property of Fox, but I'm doing this as, as a news story. I, I got to tell you that it, it, Fox is the one that made the mistake in, in firing Tucker. I do believe it was a mistake. Uh, Tucker has nothing to fear, and none of these videos make him look bad. That's just it. None of this stuff actually makes him look bad as of yet, at least to this moment of the videos that I've seen. He looks like a pretty normal dude. Engaged in pretty normal conversation. He didn't like somebody. He said so. I'm sorry, I just, I, I don't think it makes him look bad. I don't actually think it makes Fox look bad, but I don't mind just starting a legal fight with media matters. Those guys are scumbags. Just saying that so far, if the objective is to say, oh, look how terrible Tucker Carlson is, he looks kind of happy. 
All right. There are some videos that really do need clarification, especially the one about the fighting. I'll get into that next week. I promise. This is Tony Katz today. Debt ceiling fight is far from done, but in our conversations about it, clearly the political left has been listening because what we're seeing from their allies in the media who are unwilling to really honestly discuss the subject at hand is that somehow this is all on the Republicans. Now, the data doesn't actually show that. The data shows, and we've shared uh, these things, uh, that people are blaming the Democrats for this debt limit issue. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Understand what we're talking about. We're talking about whether or not the federal government can borrow money, whether or not they've got the room on the credit card to pay the bills. And one can argue that the full faith and credit of the United States is at stake here. And so, therefore, we have to get this done. We have to get this accomplished. We don't have any room here to to wiggle. And how dare the Republican Party, which is in charge of the House of Representatives, think that there's a debate that could be had here. We need to raise the debt limit or really eliminate the debt limit. That's the fantasy, right? The fantasy is to eliminate the debt limit and therefore they can spend willy-nilly and there's no conversations of spending. But you don't have the right to tell us that, that you're going to negotiate before raising the debt limit. This is just too important. This has to be done. And how dare you, how dare you think that you can, you can just play around here? Nobody's playing around. There's a conversation to be had. And the conversation is whether or not we should just be people who willy-nilly go about raising the debt limit. This was Alex Wagner on her show over there at MSNBC. This is a new poll from Morning Consult and Politico. It shows that most voters, 37%, would blame both parties equally if the U.S. defaulted on its national debt. Only 24% of voters would blame Republicans for a crisis that is literally manufactured by Republicans. And 30% of voters would blame Democrats. They would blame Democrats. That tells me that no matter how you want to parse it and phrase it as something that is manufactured by Republicans, that's not how America sees it. So why not deal with the reality? So earlier this week, I spoke with Noah Rothman about this from National Review. And, and uh, follow me here, because what we first talked about was this, this member of the White House economic team who wanted to make us all believe that Congress has some kind of constitutional duty to raise the debt limit whenever Joe Biden wants to spend more. This was a member of, of Biden's economic team. I think her name is Heather Bushy, B-O-U-S-H-E-Y, talking about the idea of responsibility. Well, we have been watching this closely and certainly waiting for the news in terms of what tax receipts would look like. And Janet Yellen's, um, Secretary Yellen's uh, letter yesterday indicated that this deadline is, is, more, is more urgent than we had thought. But certainly the deadline was already urgent. Um, we know that uh, this is Congress's constitutional responsibility to make sure to increase the debt limit so that the... Congress's responsibility is to increase a debt limit? Or is Congress's responsibility actually to spend 
within their means. Let me bring in Noah Rothman of National Review. He is also the author, if you don't know Noah, of The Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against Progressives' War on Fun. He is also the author of Unjust, Social Justice, and the Unmaking of America. You can find both of those books at Amazon.com. Democratic fishers over the debt ceiling fight are growing. That's an article that you have over at National Review, and that comports with a story that MSNBC did that says, my gosh, the Republicans, their their messaging is working, and people see the debt ceiling fight as the Democrats' fault, and if we default, we're going to blame the Democratic Party. We can't have this happen. Talk to me about where we are in this. Is somehow Congress's responsibility just to raise a debt limit willy-nilly? And if that's the case, why even have a debt limit? Right. No, I mean, if you actually look at the the record, the debt limit fights actually do fairly uh, restrict uh, the spending trajectory in Washington. And they've been the occasion for a variety of uh, negotiated deals, bipartisan deals, over spending. Um, Democrats are attempting to suggest here that this is totally unprecedented, wholly unwarranted, really beyond the pale. And they spent the last month, I guess, just saying that. Meanwhile, Republicans put a bill together. Republicans put a spending bill together, uh, a variety of other uh, programs, uh, cuts to programs, social welfare programs, or re- uh, restrictions on accessing them for able-bodied eligible recipients. Uh, and they got a bill for passed. And now they're in the driver's seat. Uh, Democrats should have been probably taking this opportunity to present a competing uh, bill that wasn't just a clean debt ceiling limit, or even if they just wanted a clean debt ceiling limit. Like, put that, put that on the floor. Get your members on record. But they didn't do that. They outsourced negotiations to the White House. The White House insisted that it wouldn't negotiate until Republicans managed to present some sort of, a, of, a, of an uh, argument on their, that justifies, demonstrates that they're united on this. And the anticipation that they wouldn't be able to do it, an anticipation that I kind of had, too. I was surprised by the degree, the fact that they managed to get this through, albeit with a, the narrowest possible margin, 217, which is exactly what you need to pass a bill. But they got it through. And now Democrats are saying, well, you know, we're, we're not going to negotiate on spending outside of the budget process. We'll talk about spending in the budget process, sure. But not the debt ceiling. That's just that's a British too far. It's a very narrow process argument and process arguments tend not to convince the public not at the all principal argument when the principal argument is we're spending too much that's and, easy to comprehend and you Democrats take a, position is incomprehensible and you take a look at this may 9th meeting that biden is supposed to have with leaders in congress where the white house has already announced the debt ceiling is off the table well if you tell the republican party they're not negotiating fast enough they've been delaying too long in getting this bill out everything is the republicans fault Here's a meeting three weeks before Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, <laughs> says the end of the world is coming on June 1st, people. We got to get this done. And Biden's team, through Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, says we will not be negotiating on the debt ceiling. It certainly makes the Democratic Party look intransigent. And that leads to the question of who is where are actually these fissures that you're talking about? Who's cracking and who can apply the pressure to Biden to get something done? Yeah, first, a quick note on how badly served Democrats are by their echo chamber in the press, Um, because if they had at least one, you know, voice of reason in there, a tenth man who would argue the the alternative position just for the sake of argument, they might have encountered the idea that their arguments are contradictory. 
that running up against the debt ceiling, even getting close to the debt ceiling, is this apocalyptic event. But no, we won't negotiate even the, slightly from our position. We won't budge from our position even slightly. And their position hasn't moved, even while Kevin McCarthy's has. Kevin McCarthy wanted pre, pre-COVID level spending caps initially. Not anymore. Now we're talking about 2022 caps. Just last year, last year's spending level is where the caps are in this, in this bill. And that movement has not been reciprocated by Democrats. They appear, as you say, recalcitrant. Um, but not every Democrat is on board. As you said, you had, even before Republicans managed to pass this bill, you had Democrats like Debbie Dingell in Michigan, Greg Landsman in Ohio, and Senator Joe Manchin saying, listen, we're going to have to negotiate. Voters gave the, the Republicans control of the chamber from which spending bills originate in the Constitution. That's the political reality with which we must contend. And in the interim, since that bill has passed, you've seen some more moderate members of the Democratic caucus, but nevertheless Democrats, uh, coming out and also supporting some negotiated settlement, uh, which implies movement on the part of Democrats who have otherwise been resistant to moving at all. So Republicans are united in this, mostly united. Democrats are not. Their position is eroding. They're seeing people abandon, you know, seeing their, their trenches thin out as their side abandons their position. And yet they remain committed to this course. And only, I can imagine, only because the echo chamber in the press is so committed to supporting the Democratic narrative, even though it's becoming politically untenable before their eyes. So we were able to, well, prove, for lack of a better word, that the Democratic Party has an issue. That it's the Democrats who even see that the Democratic Party hasn't come to the table properly on the debt ceiling. That is the Republicans who came forth with legislation, Republicans who came forth with the willingness to debate, and it's the Democratic Party that is being completely intransigent and saying no, 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 no in on every step. Every step of the way, they want to be the people who scream no. They want to be the people who make the claim that Republicans aren't doing this, Republicans aren't doing that. Instead of getting this handled, they want the political victory. It's more important than anything. Actually getting things done is not important. Let me say that again. Getting things done is not important. Winning to them is. And that's what we see right here. So much so. And we got into this yesterday. I mean, it's it's really fascinating how this all kind of ties together. That we saw uh, that The Hill, which is owned by Nexstar, News Nation, they, uh, they have this story that Republicans are now on the hot seat uh, about the budget. But we know that that's not true. We know that the Republicans have a lot of heavy lifting left to do on the debt limit. I said the budget. I meant I meant the debt limit. That's not actually factual. That is a story that is told that has no basis. None. The data is clear. An explanation of the situation as Noah Rothman went through it. My thanks to Noah Rothman from National Review. And the explanation of the polling, to the extent that we're going to believe polling, from MSNBC, of all people, clearly shows, the one-two punch clearly shows that the entire onus is on Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. 
what you're told versus the truth. Do you know how hard it is to be on our side of the thing? It's super difficult. And the reason that it's super difficult is because look at all the work that we have to do to get to the data, to be able to engage the facts, and then be able to share it with you so we can all share it with everybody else. My gosh. And what do we get from the political left? Well, we don't want to be a we don't want to be a bunch of deadbeats now, do we? I I couldn't make it up if I wanted to. Well, Congress needs to act, really. And when she says, I mean, wait, hold on a second. When you say, when, we, when she said the math is the math, this is going to be catastrophic for American people. There's a reason why we call uh, the bill that House Republicans put together uh, the Default on America Act, because it is. If they move forward with what they put forward, and we know all of House Republicans and MAGA Republicans voted on this bill, it is going to hurt American families. And it is the president's job to also be very clear with Congress, uh, with Republicans in Congress. you got to do your job. It is simple. You take an oath. This is it. This is the basic thing that you need to do for the American people to make sure that we are not a deadbeat nation. 78 times. 78 times that we have been able to do this since 1960, three times in the last administration. So the question is to them, the question is to Speaker McCarthy, as I've said many times before here, is to, to the MAGA Republicans, what is going on here? Why can you not get this done? It is, it is done. But notice MAGA Republicans, attack, 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 default. No working. Do what we want or we only try to politically destroy. We don't care what actually happens. They're the ones who brought the deal. They're the ones saying, let's go. As Noah pointed out, they're the ones who changed the spending caps. As we were discussing, I think it was just yesterday, uh, in, in one of these articles about, oh my gosh, the road ahead for Kevin McCarthy, he had to twist arms to get this done and he had to wrangle people. And that was the easy part. If they had written that story about Nancy Pelosi, it would be about what an incredible leader she is and how what a master legislator she is, how she was able to bring people together. You're watching it happen. They're losing an argument, but they never once changed the mentality forward and they expect their media allies to buy in and then resell that story. Betting dollars to donuts that you will never engage the breakdown that we just engaged in of what it is they're saying versus the reality first it is a reminder of how absolutely important talk radio is because you're working right i've caught you right now in the car you're going to the job site you're going to to a meeting uh maybe you're going to pick up the kids right you got your life going on so all you get hit with is is the headlines because sometimes that's all you got time for i totally get that my job is to do this part of it and break this down none of this this takes time Look how easily she could just scream MAGA Republicans. Look how long it took. I had to put a couple of days together in order to bring you the everything. That's why it's so much easier for them to move their nonsense. Reality takes sometimes a little bit of time to explain the truth. It takes a little bit to put everything together and say, oh, this is what they're doing. But now you know this is what they're doing. Now we've got it. It's a great example. 
I mean, just boom, boom, boom. Everywhere they turn, it is just to mislead, and they've got an entire media apparatus desperate to appease the misleading. Super ugly stuff. I'm Tony Katz. There is so much happening in my beloved Indianapolis and in Indiana over the next month because it's it, it's race month, right? It's the it's the it's the month of May, and that means the Indianapolis 500. Which, if you've never done, oh dear goodness, what a good time! Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today it's good to be with you. And then next weekend is the GMR Grand Prix at the Speedway, and there's a huge event uh, this weekend called Rev uh, at the track, which is a food event and a fundraiser. And there's just millions of things going on. Indiana Comic Con. Uh, is going on in Indianapolis. It's just, it's super cool. Crazy, crazy cool month of activities. And, and one of the things I do for the race, for the Indy 500, is through my uh, cigar and bourbon show, Eat, Drink, Smoke, eatdrinksmokeshow.com, I put together the official list of cigars for the race, the cigars for the 500. I plan on having that out uh, maybe by next weekend. That's the, you know, I'm saying maybe, by next weekend. Where what cigars to smoke for the race and where to get them. Now, I, I do pick uh, retail shops here in the state of Indiana because I try to be helpful. But you'll be able to get them at, at your local tobacconist or maybe you'll be able to get them online. Try and shop local. I like it. So that list, the official cigars of the Indianapolis 500, that list will be out sooner than you think. Brought to you by Eat, Drink, Smoke, Eat, Drink, Smoke Show dot com. Be looking for the list. It's a good one. This is Tony Katz today.